1: Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646 727 3070, you can listen to the show blog, talkradio.com, slash, begin. And messages to the show on Twitter, at Go4Again. And while you're there on Twitter, at Go4Again, make sure you give me a follow. G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Patriots, Safety, Nate Ebner, And the Patriots just won Super Bowl 51. Brady has five. And we're going to talk to Nate Ebner about winning Super Bowl 51 and his rugby career because he got that going on too. He plays football. He plays rugby. He does a lot of great things. And we're going to be joined by Nate Ebner. Also, one of the stars of BET's hit series, the Quad. Actor Kevin Savage will be joining us. Quad's doing, you know, it's got a little bit of a buzz right now. A lot of people are talking about it. And we're going to talk to Kevin Savage about it. And then also we're going to talk NBA trade deadline with Marlon Guild, Ryder University assistant basketball coach. So that should be fun as well. Can't wait to get started and get right down to it. And let's get right down to it. The NBA trade deadline has came, has gone,
0: and not much happened. Not much happened at all. So the
1: NBA trade deadline is coming, and gone. And, you know, not many moves, but there was a big move that happened right before or right after, excuse me, the NBA All-Star game. And that big move was DeMarcus Cousins headed to the Pelicans to join Anthony Davis and those boys. So it was DeMarcus Cousins, Omri Caspi headed off to the Kings with Buddy Hill, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, and a first and second round pick in 2017. That first round pick is top three protected. So you look at that deal now and you look at the situation for the uh, for the Pelicans, first and foremost. Well, let's start with the Kings. First and foremost, if you're the Sacramento Kings, to me, you probably could have got a lot more. I know D. Box said if uh, he had a better deal a couple days ago before this deal happened. So you probably could have got a little more. But at the same time, based off of what you've seen from DeMarcus Cousins, based off some of the immaturity that we've seen, based off of – you know, just some of the things that he's done over the years. Could you trust giving him $207 million? Could you trust giving him a super max deal? I don't think you can. I don't think you could give a guy like DeMarcus Cousins after, you know, you know, seeing some of his behavior. And being that you as a franchise, really haven't been all that successful with DeMarcus Cousins, not completely his fault. Of course because you haven't drafted very well over the years and you haven't really assembled enough talent to surround DeMarcus Cousins. But if you look at this situation and you look at, from a King standpoint, I don't think, and I know they told DeMarcus, hey, we want to keep you, da 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 But I don't think you can give, with a clear conscience and sleep at night, and, and by giving DeMarcus Cousins two hundred million dollars, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can sleep well at like giving him that kind of money, because the reality of the situation, and maybe, you know, we saw the tearful video of Boogie when he left. You know, he was in tears, crying, so on and so forth. But you look at the situation with Boogie Cousins, and this guy, I don't think he's trustworthy enough as a franchise guy. I don't. He's got some maturing to do, talent wise. He want to, you know, top ten he might have top ten talent. Probably has top ten talent, talent wise. Attitude wise, where you know is the issue. Because you can't trust the Marcus Cousins. You just can't. And I don't know how you could trust giving him two hundred million dollars, calling him essentially your franchise guy. I think if you're the Sacramento Kings, at some point in some time, this was a move you had to think about. You had to think about trading DeMarcus Cousins. You had to think about uh, doing some things to this franchise because the direction this franchise is going in, I I know, I think they were a game and a half out of the playoffs for the eighth and final seed in the playoffs in the Western Conference, but that means a four-game sweep by the Golden State Warriors. So at, at, at the end of that, I think this is a move that is good for both DeMarcus Cousins and the Pelican organization. Not, not the Pelican, for the Kings organization, excuse me. But it's also a good thing for the Kings uh, for the Pelicans organization because now you get to the DeMarcus Cousins now and, and you have maybe what, talent-wise, they were the best Power forward-center combination, possibly in the history of the game. But, again, we got to see how this thing gels. We got to see how this thing works. Last night, DeMarcus Cousins got his numbers. Last night, Anthony Davis got his numbers. But last night, Pelicans lost by 30. <laughs> I mean, so while everybody ate, while DeMarcus ate 27-14 and 14, and AD ate 29-9, They lost the game, and it wasn't close. Blowout fashion. So the reality of the situation is it's going to take some time for this whole thing to gel. Well, it may take some time. It it, it could happen right away, or we might see moments and instances where it, it, it doesn't happen right away. And you look at the situation now, and you look at the Pelicans at this point, this is a move that's telling me and telling the world and telling the NBA that you're trying to make the playoffs this year. At this point in time, you know, with 24 games left, you are two and a half out of the eighth and final spot. Okay? So you better figure this out fast. And by the way, the Sacramento Kings are half a game out the eighth and final spot. But anyway, if you're Pelicans, you got to figure this thing out fast, especially if the, the goal is to make the playoffs this year. But I, I, I look at this team, the, the Pelicans, and obviously Drew Holiday, you didn't have to part with him, which was huge. You know, so you got a, a point guard who, when he came back after he was out dealing with the situation with his wife and her cancer and everything, When he came back, you know, the team started to play a lot better. They got off to a very slow start. Drew Holiday comes back, and and they start playing some decent basketball and put themselves in position to possibly make the playoffs. And so you look at this situation, and, and now the Pelicans are going for it. And not only are they going for it for this year, but they're going for it moving forward. And now you got a guy named Anthony Davis who you, you make him a little more comfortable at this point because you, you show him that, hey, we're trying to surround you with some talent. We're, we're trying to surround you with some pieces. Okay, Drew Holiday we have is a piece. DeMarcus Cousins obviously is a piece. Now, Adrian, you know, you got Anthony Davis, of course. He is the ultimate piece. So you have pieces and you're putting together a decent big three. But that big three might not come together and might not have the necessary chemistry to make the playoffs this year. Let's not crown them just yet. Let's not give them the AFC just yet. Because, again, we have to see how this thing gels. We have to see if this thing can come together. We have to see if this thing works and time would be to judge it that. But talent-wise, it don't get any better than Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis as your center of power forward combination, and both of them big time last night. But unfortunately for the Pelicans, they were the only two that were big time, and they got blown out of the building by the Houston Rockets. So to talk about this Boogie Cousins trade and some of the other things going on in the NBA and – with the NBA Trade Day line. We're going to bring in a guy now, Ryan University, assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Marlon.
0: Hey, Paul. How you doing, man? Doing well.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Uh, as always, thanks for having me. It's been too long, man. For you know, sure. I thought this for was sure. a better relationship.
1: I, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing when, when I hit
0: you up today. <laughs> I was
1: definitely thinking the same thing. So we, we got... We got since it's been so long, we got a lot to get to. So let, let's go get there. So let, let's start with Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins. You know, they trade them off. The Kings meeting to the New, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. They get back Buddy Hill, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a first and second round pick in 2017. A lot of people around the league saying it's not enough. It doesn't seem like enough to me. But I will say this. It was a move I thought the Kings had to make. They had to make it. And I think it's almost a move that the Pelicans have to make as well. But how do you view this trade?
0: I view it as one-sided. I might have to agree with little Isaiah Thomas. NBA 2K17 wouldn't let me make that trade either. There's, there's no way, uh, you know, and, and this is not to knock Buddy Hill, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, uh, the first-round pick in 2017, the second-round pick, but for a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, you know, you're not getting back a a player of DeMarcus' stature. Uh, You know, if you're going to make that trade, there has to be, none of those guys right now in their careers are franchise players. You know, they're not a face of an organization. And you just gave up a a big-time face for the organization. And I understand that, you know, on the court, he he was a time bomb and, and things of that nature, but You know, you look at how he was off the court in the community, you know, that that speaks volumes. And, you know, not to say that DeMarcus Cousins is misunderstood. He probably just needed the right coaching, you know, needed the right culture, which clearly Sacramento doesn't have. Uh, So, you know, do I agree with the trade? No, because you didn't get anything in return of of fair value. Uh, I I think this – move sets the Kings back honestly another 10 years you know uh, Tyreek Evans is close to being a a big-time veteran in this league at 10 having close to 10 years in soon Buddy Hill's a rookie I understand that and for the owner of the Kings to compare Buddy Hill to Steph Curry stop it you know (laughs) there's no comparison stop it and the first round pick in 2017 uh if it's not a lottery pick, who are you getting that's gonna that you can say like you know what this trade was worth and in the second round, let's be honest, what second round guys really make it past their first contract? So You're right. you know, I don't know I I don't know, wh- I don't know wh- what the Kings are doing, but they they must know better than me. I, I work at Ryan, but you know, like I said, <laughs> NBA two K seventeen wouldn't let me make that trade either. So don't understand it. But you know also it, what tends to happen
1: when you trade superstars, it, you never really get fair value back. I, and I point to, obviously, it was a long time ago, but the Charles Barkley trade, when he was traded from the Sixers to the Phoenix Suns, I mean, it was Andrew Lang, Jeff Warner, second, Tim Perry. I mean, you look at that deal, you know, obviously, Charles Barkley went on to be an MVP that year, and obviously, he went on to go to the NBA Finals and lose to the Bulls in six. But I look at that. And I and I say, you know what, it's very difficult to get value for a superstar. And also I want I want you to look at it from this standpoint, too. Could you honestly trust giving Demarcus Cousins the Supermax five years, $207 million? Could you really trust giving him that kind of money and essentially making him he's already the face of the franchise, but he'll be even more so the face of the franchise at that point. Could you trust really
0: doing that? Well, before I answer that, I'm going to say this. Besides the one year that the Sixers went to the finals in 2001, they still haven't recovered from that Charles Barkley trade. That's a good point. Uh, Sharon Wright, okay. Uh, Clarence Weatherspoon, okay. Uh, You see where I'm going with this. So (laughs) they still haven't recovered uh, from that. And it's even going into this year with Ben Simmons being out. Embiid missed four games. it's just some franchises, man, that are just cursed. And, Trust uh, the process. I, I thought the, I, I the Kings not trusting their process right now. <laughs> no, nobody understands it, their process. For sure. But, um, you know, the, the answer to answer the second part to, to your question, $40 million over five years is a lot of money. But at the same time, I, I think if you had the right locker room, the market is worth $40 million a year. But like I said, it, it, it's all dependent on who's in that locker room. And and there's a reason why guys aren't in that locker room or the guys that need to be in that locker room aren't in that locker room. I, I go back to when I was a kid and I watched uh, Beyond the Glory, So show that used to come on Fox Sports, and they would do these documentaries. And I remember Chris Weber saying, as he was in the air, landing, going from Washington to Sacramento, looking outside the window, and what the hell am I doing here? And I wonder if that's what a lot of free agents say. Well, what is there to do in, in Sacramento? It, you know, it, it's not a place of destiny for guys. Uh, and you have to start there. And you look at maybe that little run that they had with Weber, Mike Bibby, Divac, even that took some time. But with that, you know, Chris Weber wasn't an angel. Back then, when they made that trade for him, you know he had his off the court issues, and they were able to make it work. But with that, you had veteran guys in the locker room, uh, uh, Vladi Dvorak, who, let's be honest, he was probably a better player than he is in the front office. Uh, you know, you had older guys on that team. You had a Brian Grant before Brian Grant went to Portland. He was big in in that area, and, and. set the tone for culture in that locker room before leaving there. So all those things have to be in place. And if those things are in place, Boogie Cousins is worth $40 million.
1: Well, and and that has been the issue and it has been the problem. Again, this is not all Boogie Cousins' fault. I mean, obviously they haven't done a good job of surrounding guys. uh, around. They haven't done a good job of putting pieces around them and putting veterans around him. So, you know, obviously this is not completely his fault. And we'll see what happens. But here's what I will say about Sacramento. A lot of people go kicking and screaming. But after they get there, they, they seem to love the place. I mean, Weber, he got there. He ultimately loved the place. You know, all those guys, Bibby, Stojakovic, Divock, all those guys, they seem to love the place once they get there. And, and DeMarcus Cousins, he seemed to love Sacramento.
0: I, I hear you with that, but I, I just think it goes back to who's in your locker room. You know, if, if guys are in your locker room that are professional and, and mean business, you can adapt to that. What, what If I'm DeMarcus Cousins, what am I adapting to with Matt Barnes in my locker room? I'm adapting to being on Snapchat or, or social media with a Hennessy bottle telling people that, hey, our flight's delayed, so this is what I'm going to do. That, that's a great example to, to look at. DeMarcus, uh Matt Barnes, holding a Hennessy bottle in a locker room. Our flight's delayed, so I think I'm going to get drunk. You can't fault DeMarcus for that stuff. We follow what we see. You know, it's like myself with my son. I have to set an example for him. Who's setting an example for DeMarcus? Nobody. So you can't fault him. You know, it starts with the guy that's in that locker room.
1: Sure, and... And it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Okay, we we got it from the Kings' perspective. How do you look at it from the Pelicans' perspective? Obviously, you're putting together a, a big three, if you will, with 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 Demarcus, with AD Anthony Davis, and Drew Holiday. But how do you view it from the Pelicans' standpoint? Do you think they make the playoffs this year? All right, now no knock on Drew Holiday.
0: That's not a big three. That's that's a, that's a big two, not a big three. Uh, Drew Holiday is, is uh, maybe right on the outskirts of a top 10 point guard in the NBA but I, I see your point if you want to say it's a big three I- I'll give it to you you're my guy so I- I'll give them a-, a big three and from a roster standpoint they should be able to catch Denver for that eighth spot I-, I think prior to last night they were what two and a half or two games out of the eighth spot They're two they should and a half. be able to catch two and a half. So they should be able to catch Denver on paper. Should be able to. Uh, But it'll be interesting for Alvin Gentry to see how he plays those two guys together because, you know, yeah, one's a five, one's a four, but their games are very similar. You know, DeMarcus Cousins can step out and and shoot perimeter shots. So can Anthony Davis. They both can play on the blocks. Uh, You know, they both can be Pick and pop guys or, or pick and roll guys. So it's just a matter do you keep one guy on the on the block and the other guy on the perimeter? You know, I, I think that's something that they have to figure out first. You know, it, it's a uh, it's okay to have talent, but then you have to be able to mold that talent and have everybody tell and be on the same page. That's not easy. Uh, so I, I'd say you probably won't see them playing their best basketball for about another two, three weeks or so, uh, making that last home stretch for the uh, regular season. And, you know, with two and a half, being two and a half out of eight, they should be able to catch Denver and and overtake them. But it'll be interesting to see if that happens.
1: For sure. We're talking to Ryan University assistant basketball coach
0: Marlon Gilden.
1: Marlon, what a big – I mean, we had some minor deals yesterday, you know, but overall, all in all, not a big-time splash during the trade deadline. But I want to get to this one move real quick. Serge Ibaka, you know, going from Orlando to the Raptors. I like the move. I mean, obviously with Serge, you get an athletic guy, you get a shot blocker, and you just get another guy that can help you in your quest to try to bring down the Cavaliers. How do you like that move?
0: Uh, It, it was a good move, but I don't think it's a move that helps them. Uh, or helps them get to where they want to get to. I, I look at the move that the Wizards made and say that's more of an impact than Serge Ibaka. And the reason I say that is I, I think the Raptors, that, that window of opportunity is closed. Uh, You know, last year was probably the best shot that they would have of uh, up, up that. And you, you know my take on DeMar DeRozan already. Uh. <laughs> You know, I'm a big Kyle Lowry fan. And, you know, having Ibaka is almost like having Diombo But neither one of those guys are really scorers, which is what you'll need. We know they can defend, but at the same time, you're going to need to score on the other end as well. And I just don't think they have enough firepower, one, to contest with the Cavs or even contest with the Wizards or the Celtics, for that matter. I, I agree. I mean... I
1: think it gives them a better shot, but I agree. At the end of the day, I don't think it's enough to dethrone the Cavaliers. But we we talked about the Wizards. we text texted back, some, back and forth about the Washington Wizards, especially, you know, we saw them in, in that game against uh, the Cavaliers when LeBron hit that miracle shot at the buzzer and then ultimately they go into overtime and ultimately the Cavaliers win that game. But the Wizards, to me, you know, obviously Boston's a threat. But the Wizards, to me, are a team. I'm not saying they beat the Cavaliers, but I think they can scare them and give them a long series. How do you view that?
0: I got the Wizards taking the Cavs to game seven. There's no questions asked. Uh, John Ball and Bradley Beal have finally figured out, you know, what they need to do to be on the same page, be a elite backboard uh, to trade with Brooklyn was great because uh, it gives them another shooter and uh, Boyanovich uh, you know, they've got big you know, they've got versatility with, with Otto Porter uh, you know, you got a young guy like Kelly Oubre off the bench who, who's long, that that can defend So I, I like what, uh, what the Wizards did and, and where they're going uh, and I think the game that we saw a couple weeks ago against the Cavs it, it was a preview, but it was also a statement game for the Wizards to say, like, hey, you know what, we're coming. And it kind of started, man, and I don't know if you remember, when they played the Celtics at the Verizon Center, uh, and they were all black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Celtics took them lightly, and the Wizards did what they had to do. And that was the start of the beginning to show people that, hey, we figured this thing out, we're knocking on this door, and you guys better be uh, looking at what we're doing down here. You know, take us
1: serious. For sure. And I look at – and let's talk about some of the deals that weren't made. Obviously, there was a deal, Rubio for D. Rose that was on the table. You know, Paul George. You know, the Patriots were gauging interest with that. And then, obviously, Jimmy Butler. There was some interest there. There was talk maybe Boston uh, would try to do something to get Jimmy Butler. But uh, let me ask you this. I look at the Boston Celtics at this point. This is a team obviously playing some good basketball right now and, you know, second in the Eastern Conference and playing some big-time basketball. You know, they got all these picks, all these assets, and all these things. Do you think the Celtics should have made a big-time push for Jimmy Butler and or Paul George at this point in time?
0: Oh, without a doubt. Those two guys are game-changers for your team. And you're holding on to this draft pick, which is uh, the next pick. And, and, you know, it'll probably be a top three pick. But if you look at the top two players or or three out of the top four players in this upcoming draft, they're all point guards with Markel Fulton at Washington and Dennis Smith at, at NC State. It's point guard heavy. So if you're the Celtics, you already have a point guard in Isaiah Thomas. You've already got a, a point guard type in Avery Bradley. So why not give that up for Jimmy Butler or, or Paul George and get a middle-of-the-first-round pick in addition to that? You're not losing anything. You're, you're gaining. You're gaining a guy that's, you know, a, a top 7 to 10 player in, in the league in either one of those guys, and you're getting – uh, middle of the first round pick, which with this year's draft, the draft class is pretty heavy. You can still get you a player of significance in that 15 to 21 range. So I, I just didn't get it. They, they're holding on to this top pick like is Jesus coming through. I, I, I didn't understand it at, at all.
1: I, I agree with you. I mean, and I think at some point, and I think Boston is close. And I think Boston could take and give Cleveland a long series. So if you have an opportunity to get your hands on a Jimmy Butler and or a Paul George. I think you. Pull, I, I think even if you had an opportunity to get Melo, you pulled the trigger. Just my opinion. I mean, I, I was to ask you this. I want to ask you this. I look at the Clippers last night, and you know I know Chris Paul didn't play, but the Warriors have owned the Clippers throughout the course of this season. And I look at this Clippers team and. You know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, they are quote-unquote big three. Um, and, I, and I look at that team and I'm like, okay, it's good enough to win 50-plus, but it's not good enough to win a championship the way it's presently constructed. And it will never be good enough to win a championship, I believe, the way it's presently constructed. So I, in my opinion, I thought the Clippers – should have made a play, a, a big, big-time play for Mello. Your thoughts on
0: that? Uh, no doubt about it. I, I look at, one, a guy of Carmelo Anthony's stature, it, it, he deserves better treatment than what he's getting now. Uh, you know, to, to see this guy go through what he's going through and handle it the way he handled it, you know, kudos to him. Uh, if I was in that position, I probably – well, not probably. I know I wouldn't have handled it or couldn't handle it the way he's handled it. Uh, but, you know, to get to the Clippers, I, I think that, that window closed last year once Chris Paul had, had the hand injury. And, you know what, we can even take it further, losing that uh the series that, that they had two years ago. That was their last right. real uh, opportunity, I, I, I thought uh I thought that coming was off it. an emotional yeah coming off an, an emotional series against the Spurs w- winning that series and then the lose in the sec- the next round the way that they did I, I kind of looked at them and said you know what this is it you know they're a good team the they'll get to three quarter. they'll finish three quarters of the race but that last quarter that last lap you know that there's nothing left in, in the tank and it's it, it's sad to say that because I, I think Doc Rivers is a very good coach. I know uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis might think otherwise, but I, I think Doc's a, a very good coach. Uh, the staff that he has is, is a great staff. The players that they have are, are, are good players, but I, I just think their time is up. Uh, they, they don't match up well you know, with Golden State. I don't even think they match up well with Houston, the way the Rockets are playing. Right. right now so you know it, it was fun while it lasted but we can enjoy the last few months of uh of the clippers because i think at the end of the year they've got to make moves with those guys on their roster and start over
1: for sure i I totally agree with you i mean i think i think the window has closed i think to your point it closed two years ago i think it's done and i think at this point yeah you went 50 games yeah you may win around, but okay Great. But that's nothing at this point in time. So I, I totally agree. And I thought and, and still think if you have an opportunity to get your hands on Mello, and you know, and, and I point back to Mello and I agree, the way he's handled himself throughout this time has been great, has been tremendous. But also point back to this. A lot of people say, okay, he's a volume scorer, you know, the ball sticks with him, so on and so forth. He is a volume scorer, and they say the ball sticks. But here's the deal. I like to look at players, and I like to judge players when they play with other great players. And when I saw Melo in Olympic play and and the way he plays and played in Olympic play, to me, that's an indication, that's a glimpse of what you could get if you have a Melo around superior talent. Your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I totally agree with you, and it's funny that you said that because people not Carmelo Anthony's game, you can write this down for me. Carmelo Anthony is still the best one-on-one scorer in the NBA. You ask it. Any guy that has to defend him any night, and they'll tell you he's the toughest guy to cover. Maybe Kevin Durant is a close second, but Carmelo, you can't stop him on the block. He has a handle for four guys his size. He can go around bigger guys. He can post up smaller guys. You know, and the fact that what he did in the Olympics, like you said, you put him on a team full of guys that can hold their own, he'll be okay. And let's not forget, Carmelo Anthony won a national championship in college as a freshman. Do you know how hard that is to do? for Sure. At 18, 19 years old to win a national championship on the college level, it's not easy. So everybody's taking their shots at him. That's totally unfair. But I think if you put him on a team where he's the second option, there's nothing wrong with that. Kobe Bryant was the second option for a lot of years. Last time I checked, he had some nice jewelry on his hand. For sure. You know, Kyrie Kyrie Irving is the second option. Last time I checked, he he's got a nice ring on his hand and might even get another. Scotty Griffin was a great second option. Last time I checked He's got six rings. Hey, I could go on and on, it, you know. Uh, if he gets that opportunity, you know, whether it's next year or whenever he decides to be, to be that second option, I hope he does get a ring because he deserves it. He'll go in the Hall of Fame whenever he decides to retire. I mean, he's top 20, 25 in scoring all time. Got the guy's so like he's got three gold medals or, or four gold medals, excuse me. Uh, what, what else is there for him to do
1: for sure? Well, only thing left is missing is that NBA title, and again, hopefully, he can find you know the right situation uh for him, and ultimately, he can get that opportunity to win a title. We're talking to rider University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gilda. Marlon, you're a big time Knicks fan, and you know, there's been a lot of news, a lot of issues with the New York Knicks. Let's start with Charles Oakley for a moment. I mean, seeing Charles Oakley being carried out the garden like a common criminal to me was, was, was painful to watch. Didn't need to happen. Shouldn't have happened. And I know they kind of mediated the situation. And I know they talked and, you know, everything seemed to be okay at this point. I know Oakley has not returned to the garden. But being a Knicks fan like yourself, being a guy who saw Charles Oakley laying on the line night in and night out, what was your thoughts when you saw that? Well,
0: I was just disappointing to see. And I think it just showed you how far the Knicks have fallen. Uh, you know, now we don't know if words were exchanged between Oakland and James Dolan, but You know, that scene looked like a scene out out of the show Hit the Floor, where the player says something that the owner doesn't like, and the owner says has two words, and all of a sudden, the player's out of the building. Uh, You know, like I said, we don't know if words were said, but there was a better way for everybody to handle that situation. Uh, You know, Oakley shouldn't have done what he did, but at the same time, Security shouldn't have done what they did, uh, you know, and it's one of those things we're taught sometimes that if somebody puts their hand on you, the only way to react is the way he, he reacted, Oakley react. and not saying it, it's the right way, but it's like what Chris Rock said, I understand.
1: And you know what it is also, and, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, when you send four, five, six guys at somebody, you automatically put them on the defensive. And when they sent all those security guards over to Charles Oakley. And, again, to your point, we don't know what was said. But when you send that many people over to Charles Oakley, you know, obviously you're going to put a guy at, on defense. And, and some guys, when they're cornered the way Oakley were was, I should say, when, they were, when you're cornered like that, some guys come out and charge and fight and, and some guys cower. But one thing I know about Charles Oakley, that's not a guy who cowers. So I thought from that standpoint, when you send all those guys at Charles Oakley, that was wrong.
0: Oh, no, no question about it. And, and, you know, like you said, it's what you're taught, you know, growing up. If, if you've got four or five guys around you, the first thought that comes in to your head is that I have to protect myself. And there's no question that that's what he was thinking. And then, like I said, the second you put your hand on somebody, well, then it's fair game, you know. If someone put put their hands on me, I'm, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide how you want this to go. And that, that's what, what he did, you know. And like I said, it wasn't right, but I, I understand.
1: For, for sure. We're talking to Ryan University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gilden. Again, there was a, a rumor out there, Ricky Rubio for Derrick Rose. Apparently, the Knicks. I think the Knicks were the team that pulled out last minute, according to some reports. Uh, I mean, I'm I don't like Ricky Rubio. I'm not a big Rick, Ricky Rubio guy, but he is an ass. He is a guy that you could get, and he, he is serviceable. And D Rose, obviously, he's going to be a free agent uh, at the end of the year. But if you, how do you view that deal? How would you have viewed that deal if
0: it would have happened? I'm going to say I wouldn't have taken that deal if I was the Knicks. Besides the Olympics, when have you seen Ricky Rubio play well? I haven't. And and I've watched some uh, Minnesota Timberwolves games just for for my guy, Chris Dunn. And I I understand that Rubio's a veteran, and, and from what I read, Thibodeau likes him because he knows the plays and things of that nature, knows how to run a team. But I've never seen Ricky Rubio play well uh, when it's not the summertime. So for the Knicks to take that on, it's just saying we don't want to win. We're just going to put something out there just for fans to show up to. And eventually fans are going to stop coming. You know, one, the ticket prices are are, are too much and would have been, a lot higher because I think Rubio has a pretty expensive contract, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But the product on the floor just wouldn't have been worth it. And then you're putting them around guys that aren't there yet. You know, Porzingis will have a shot down the road. But after that, it 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 wouldn't have been worth it, in in my opinion. So glad the deal wasn't made. And and actually, I prefer watching Derrick Rose play this year uh, besides the little MIA incident, I, I think he, he's been great to watch. You know, will he ever be the Derrick Rose of all? No, but you know, a three quarter Derrick Rose is better than Ricky Rubio, even the Ricky Rubio in July, August. And, and and
1: to your point, talking about Rubio's contract, Ricky Rubio's making thirteen million next year. It's going to make fourteen the following year, and then another fourteen the, the year after that. So Ricky Rubio even with his skill set and I'm not a big fan, he's making a boatload of money, man. He really is. Wow. What a country. What a country.
0: <laughs> We're making it great again. <laughs> it all depends who you talk to. <laughs> um
1: you got the you got your conference tournament coming up. I mean uh, how do you view your conference tournament? You are the assistant basketball coach for Rider
0: University. Ah, uh, you know what? It, it'll be interesting. We still have one more game to play. Uh, we actually leave for Quinnipiac tomorrow to play Sunday, uh, and then the conference tournament will start Thursday uh, up in Albany. And you know, it, it's been an up and down year for us. I think we started off pretty well and went eleven and five our first uh, sixteen games and. You know, since then, we've hit some bumps in the road, but we've had a chance to win our our last couple games against tough competition uh, on the road at Iona and uh, the other night against Manhattan. And, uh, you know, you kind of want some momentum to go into this tournament. Uh, And as you know, with these conference tournaments, anything can happen, especially in a conference like ours that is a a one bid conference. Uh, So you got to win out, you know, win your tournament to get there. Uh, and, and this year, I, I think the league is up for grabs. Everybody knows how good Monmouth is uh, at number one. You know, St. Peter's number two is it, pretty good. And then, you know, from there, three through 11, it's uh, anybody's game, you know, depending on what day you come out, who's making shots, who's defending. So it'll, it'll be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to, one, trying to get a win on Sunday to close out the regular season, and then getting up to Albany. And, you know, having to be for all the marbles.
1: So before we get out of here, I want to get your take on this. You know, when you were with St. Peter's, you did make it to the NCAA tournament. And again, you were in that similar situation in a conference where you had to win your conference tournament in order to get to the NCAA tournament. So let me ask you this as a coach, how do you coach that situation? I mean, it's essentially like, you know, three game sevens. So How do you approach that as a coach?
0: Well, I I can only talk about the time that that I've done it. And I think in 2011 when we went to the NCAA tournament, that team, those guys had never won a conference tournament game. Uh, You know, our main guys on that team were seniors. And for their first three years, they had always lost in the first round. So the first step for us that year was, let's just win one game. You know, if we win one game, then we'll see what happens. And we were able to do that against a, a very good Loyola team, you know, win that first game. And, and it kind of took like a, a big load off the shoulder. So going into that second game, you know, we played a, a very good Fairfield team. Where I think was number two that year. And uh, we ended up – leading at halftime by 25 points. And it was just like, wow, we might have something here. So after winning that Fairfield game and getting to the championship game that Monday night, you know, our confidence was so high at that time that we didn't think we were going to lose because we'd already gotten that first one out the way against Loyola and then beating a good Fairfield team the second game that, that Monday night, we had no pressure whatsoever. We had already done what we wanted to accomplish and you know going into that game i thought iona might have been a little tight because they were the number one seed and you know shots fell for us that, that night there, there was some plays that uh you know i remember one of our players a uh, Jerome bieland doing like a behind the back uh move and he lost the ball and somehow the ball ended up back in his hands in the airport layup you know so things have to go your way as well but you know it's, it's a good time and Hopefully, we can have some uh, some luck like that this year coming up. For sure. Good luck uh, Sunday
1: against Quinnipiac, and good luck in the conference tournament, man. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. As always, can't wait to do it again.
0: No, you got it, my man. And as always, thanks for having me.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Marlon Guild, Rider University assistant basketball coach, it was a pleasure talking to him said a lot of great things a lot of interesting things we're going to go interview we're going to bring in Nate Ebner now and then after that we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more about what we you know what we discussed with Marlon and some of the great things going on in the NBA so we're going to talk to Nate Ebner now we're going to bring him in let's bring him in now Patriots safety Nate Ebner Nate how are you I'm doing good man thanks for having me thanks for joining us, Nate. It's been a few weeks since the Super Bowl. You still on that Super Bowl high?
2: A little bit. Uh, it's coming down a little bit. It's uh, nice to get home and chill, but uh, that, was, that one's going to last for a little bit. And uh, just, just glad we ended up on top of that one.
1: So let me ask you this. At any point, at any time during that game when you were down 28-3, did you have any doubts that a comeback was possible? i mean i would say we i didn't have any doubt at all
2: i mean i think a lot of the guys on the team would say that the faith was definitely there and we we knew it was going to happen we were going to will it to happen we all believed across the board there just we needed a play to get us going and uh you know, I would say the defensive stop that we had, that kept them out of field goal range. And then the turnover, you know, definitely kickstarted that for us. And, and you
1: know, we just jumped on it as a team. And you guys most definitely jumped on it and ultimately you got the victory. When Julio Jones, you, you talked about that defensive stop, when Julio Jones made that catch and at that point, pretty much all they needed to do was run the ball, kick a field goal, and they'd probably go home as Super Bowl 51 champions. Were you surprised that they passed the ball in that situation?
2: Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't really uh, think about it too much. I mean, that's a great passing offense. So, you know, I wouldn't second guess that. Um, It just so happens our defense showed up and and we did what we needed to do. Defensive line got pressure and um, got them out of of, uh, field goal range. Um, You know, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and. You know, now you can sit here and say they should have ran the ball, but, uh, you know, how how can you bet against the best passing offense either? So, you know, I'm not completely surprised, no.
1: We're talking to Patriots safety, Nate Ebner. And, Nate, once you got to overtime, was there a sense that maybe you had them at that point?
2: I mean, when we won the toss, um, you know, with the momentum that we had, I think a lot of us would say there was no doubt that we were going to go down and score. I mean, we were prepared to fight for however long it took. But, uh, you know, obviously the, the offense took care of business. And uh, the way they started moving the ball, was like they, we just kind of wore them down, you know. And it was just too much for them to handle. And uh, obviously
1: James got in the end zone. Your second Super Bowl, man. Does this thing get old? Does it ever get old winning Nah, man, especially not like
2: that. That was uh, that was unbelievable. Uh, just to be a part of, of uh, you know, a Super Bowl run is amazing, and the whole season, and to win like that, and, and get yourself in that position. I mean, people work their entire careers to get in situations like that, um, but but then to win in that type of fashion, um, you know, in a historic way. Um, you know, it's hard to put into words, really. It's, it's just so great to be a part of, and, uh, and I'm very blessed that uh, I got to be a part of
1: two. And both of your Super Bowls kind of ended in the same type of way. I mean, both close games, both comeback situations.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, I, that first one, you would think there would be no way to top that, but um, I got to say, uh, just just. The feeling that we had as we were making that comeback and you could just feel it happening as it, as it was happening and just being, like I said, being a part of that, uh, you, you can't really top that feeling, especially with what was on the line. I mean, you got That's a cool. Super Bowl on the line there and, and to, to come back the way we did, it was, uh, you know, it, it was awesome, man. It really
1: was. It felt, just watching it, it felt surreal because at the end of the day, when the Falcons did go up 28-3, to in my mind, I thought it was over. I mean, I, I was ready to crown the Falcons. So, to see you guys just come back to what you did, it was just totally amazing. And obviously, you were a part of it. But, I mean, just to watch it was, was, was amazing. Were you amazed just watching it yourself? Um, A little
2: bit. I mean, I would say probably most people would have counted us out at that, that point in the game. Uh, just even a regular game when do you see a team come back from that type of deficit? I mean, it doesn't happen, let alone on a game like that where everything's on the line. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised people counted this out, but, you know, all that matters is we didn't count each other out, and, you know, we're a tough group to, to play against, and we're going to fight till the end, and obviously we showed that. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised, but, uh, man, it was uh, – it, it was a battle for sure, but you, like I said, you can't count us out. We're going to fight fight to the end, and we did,
1: and, and it worked out for us. We're talking to Patriots safety, Nate Ebner. and Nate, Tom Brady, greatest comeback in the fourth quarter in Super Bowl history against the Seahawks in that Super Bowl, and now the greatest comeback ever in Super Bowl history, five Super Bowls in all. Is Brady the greatest of all time? Man, I mean, I'm not even like –
2: Bunch of comparisons and whatnot, but the the guy's a beast, and I wouldn't want any other quarterback on my team. And I'm I'm definitely thankful, you know, that guy's uh lining up on my team for sure. That's 100. percent
1: Most definitely, and I kind of think he is the greatest of all time. And I think this Super Bowl kind of sealed the deal for me. I mean, right. five Super Bowls, seven well, Super I wouldn't, I, I Super wouldn't Bowl argue with just, you. I'll tell you that. <laughs> of course of course i wouldn't expect you to <laughs> right so nate you were a part of the u.s national rugby team you represented the united states in the 2016 olympics out there in rio talk about that experience
2: man that uh that was also a once-in-a-lifetime experience um that was a journey too um because as soon as the football season was over and you know 2015 season, 2016, it ended for us in the AFC Championship. Uh, I had about two and a half weeks off, and I got straight into training uh, because I, you know, I knew I was about to make that move. And I, I ended up going out to California about midway, a week or two into March, um, and our our season ended, you know, right around February, a week before February or so, and. Uh, yeah like i said i got right back into training and then i was overseas um just trying to make that team trying to get knocked off of my rugby game and uh going on tour with the the u.s team and we you know we went to hong kong and singapore and uh london and paris and uh you know played the all blacks and all these different games um all over the world and like i said that was a journey um You know, and then we had a six-week high-performance camp leading up to the Olympics with about 30 guys. They ended up uh, narrowing it down to obviously only 12 guys made the team. And I'd say, you know, eight of the 12 had already been a part of that team for at least four to five years or more for most of them. So it was a tough sledding to to get on that team. But, you know, it was definitely a grind. And, um, you know, some of the hardest stuff I've ever done physically – that, that's for sure no question about it. i don't think those guys get enough credit with you know the 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 work ethic and and how hard they have to push themselves to, to go through a game like a, a game of sevens rugby at the international level there's there's really nothing like it and um you know then to, then to get to the olympics and, and you know play there and, and represent in the united states i mean it, it's just it's a humbling experience you know wearing the usa on your on your back and on your chest and the way you're representing, and um, it, it truly is something special. And I'm blessed to have gone through that. I, obviously, I wish we would have finished a little better. We kind of had a tough game against Argentina, which put us in trouble because the gold. We played the gold medal uh, team in Fiji, uh, lost to them at the last second of that game. And um, you know, I think if you look back at the tournament, I would say Argentina, Fiji, and us were obviously some of the best, the best teams in the uh, the whole tournament. Fiji won, and Argentina lost in overtime to the team that played Fiji in the final. So, um, you know, and we were definitely beating Argentina and, and playing with Fiji really well. It just so happened we were all in the same pool. So, um, you know, it didn't work out for us. Uh, but like I said, man, what a journey, what a great experience and, and what I represented and, and that whole process. It, it was uh, it was amazing, man. Nothing like anything I've ever done in my life. It was, uh,
1: It was truly special and made some friends that will last a lifetime for sure. How's your body at this point? Obviously, going through rugby, going through an NFL season. Where's your body at this point?
2: Man, uh, honestly, it's pretty good. I, surprisingly, I, I don't know, man. I've, I've had a you know invisible shield around me or something. I've been lucky. I don't, I don't know what it is to play a full NFL season, go straight into that type of training, and the amount of games that I played. I mean, we, we play in tournaments. You're playing three games a day. Um, at an international level, and, and we're doing that, um, you know. And that's not just one day. You'll go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with with some of that stuff too. So, you know, to be able to go through that whole process, then come to the, you know, another NFL season, play the whole season all the way to the Super Bowl, and, and stay healthy through all that, man, uh, I gotta think somebody's looking out for me because, um, you know, obviously guys struggle just to make it through one season without an injury, or play an entire season without getting hurt. So. You know, I, I'm very blessed that, that I've been healthy throughout all of this. I mean, in order for all of this to work out, I, I needed to stay healthy, and, and there were so many things that could have gone wrong at any point in time during all of it, and, you know, it didn't. didn't. So, um, like I said, man, just truly blessed and lucky to, to be where I am uh, from a health standpoint. And, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to take a take a little break, though, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. We're talking to Patriots Safety Nate Ebner, let me ask you this. What would have meant more to Nate Ebner? Winning a gold medal at the Olympics in rugby or winning a Super Bowl?
2: Man, uh, they both would have been great great experiences. Obviously, winning the Super Bowl was amazing. Um, you know, they're, they're separate. Um, they're comparable because you're on the world stage in both. Those things but at, at the same time I mean the Super Bowl you play an entire season to get to that point and if you don't make it you reload do it again next year I mean the Olympics is four-year gaps I mean people train their entire lives to be a part of the Olympics and you know it's just it, it's just a completely different thing I mean you've got people from 8,000 athletes from all over the world coming to one place to compete um, just, just very different but um, the, the journey themselves Separately, I mean, I wouldn't trade them for the world, either one of them. I mean, just like I said, the whole journey through the Olympics and, and trying to make that team and all that and going down to Rio, uh, man, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And, and same goes with the, the football season, just winning like that and getting yourself in a position to play in the Super Bowl and find a way to win in that game. I mean, man, how, can, how could you put one above the other? They're, they're both amazing experiences. Are
1: you done with
2: rugby at this point? Man, I'm never done with rugby. Rugby's in my blood. I'll find my way back there even if I'm 45 years old playing an old boys <laughs> league somewhere in Ohio. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll definitely be a part of rugby. It's just something I love to do. You know, some guys like to go play pickup basketball in the off seasons and, you know, play in leagues like that. I, I go play touch rugby or go play in some rugby games. That's, you know, that's just my thing. So um, I, I would never say I'm done with it. Um, but do I know when the next time I'm going to compete or uh, – what level I'm going to compete at? No, I, I don't have that
1: answer. But um, never, never say die with that. And you said rugby is in your blood. Your father played rugby as well, so most definitely it is in that Ebner blood. That being said, yeah. that being said, I know you love the game of football, but do you love rugby even more?
2: Um, you know, I don't know. There's things about both games um, that I love obviously separately, that I love about each one individually. I mean, the pace of a rugby game and and the free flow of it, it's like playing a pick-up basketball game and and reading off of players and just kind of reacting to what's happening to you. And, um, you know, the the flow of that, it's it's something special. You know, I I really love it. Um, But football, you know, completely different, but the speed of that game is is absolutely insane. You know, the amount of work we put in, it's truly um, chess, a chess game on steroids in real life. It, it really is. If you look at everything that's involved in, in, a, in a football game, I mean, from personnels and, and offense, defense, special teams, and players, and um, situations in the game, parts of the field, I mean, it's truly a, a, a chess game on steroids. It really is, and I love that about it, and um, like I said, it's a fast game, but, you know, I love the non-pads in rugby, too. I mean, there's things I love about both of them, and they, they both are a huge parts of my life, and, um, you know, I, I love them I love them for what they are individually.
1: Let me ask you this now. Obviously, the Olympics was great, and then you go through and you have a big-time season. Ultimately, it ends with two guys winning Super Bowl 51. Was this the best six months of your life? I
2: mean, I, I call it a whole year. You know, the, the Olympic process wasn't just uh, the games of Rio. I mean, now the, the tour and whatnot, I'd say 2016 was uh, was quite the year for, for my life so far. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough one to top, but um, definitely, I, I mean, how could I say it wasn't the year of my life? I mean, Super Bowl chance and, and participating in the Olympics for the United States of America,
1: it doesn't get better than that, man. For sure. So... My advice to you: get a lot of sleep, get a lot of rest, get every you know, get get yourself healthy. Well, you're healthy, no doubt. But get yourself just ready to go for next season, man, because you earned it. I'm yes tired sir, just man. talking I'm about it.
2: And no doubt, I definitely will will get get my rest. I promise you that.
1: <laughs> so, fans, make sure you go to his website, nateevanier.com. Hit him up on Twitter. At Nate Evner and support all the great things going on with Patriots safety, Nate Evner. Nate, absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. You too. Nate Evner, safety for the New England Patriots. Another Super Bowl for Nate Ebner. You know, he was he was in the Olympics. I mean, this dude has had a great, great run over these past few weeks. So kudos to Nate and pleasure having him on the show. All-star weekend. I'm gonna touch on that real quick. Then move on to the 76ers and then I'm gonna get out of here. All-star weekend. We look at all-star weekend. And, you know, obviously All-Star Weekend was kind of a dud. I mean, and and let's be clear. All-Star Games in general are not exciting. They're not exciting at all. And so the reality of the situation is, whether it's the Pro Bowl, whether it's the NHL Hockey All-Star Game, Whether it's Major League Baseball All Star Game, they're not good, but no one does All Star Weekend like the NBA. The NBA, even though the All Star Game wasn't great, it stunk. It was boring. It was no defense, even though it stunk. It still was better than the Pro Bowl. Still was better than the NHL hockey All Star Game. Still better than the Major League Baseball All Star Game. And the Major League Baseball All Star Game, you know, they tried to make it mean something and still it meant nothing to to others and to many it's an exhibition game and in an exhibition game the reality is it's not going to be exciting it's not going to be fun it is not going to be very serious and so i I remember watching that 2001 all-star game when alan iverson and steph marbury and kobe they were dueling going back and forth You know, Dikembe was controlling the glass, controlling the paint. And that was fun because both of those teams, the East and the West, they wanted it and they went for it. Here, it was just too much show. Last last All-Star game, the one we just saw, Anthony Davis, you know, won the All-Star MVP. But it was just too much show. They need to add just a little sliver of seriousness. Usually in the All-Star game, you know, it's a little bit of a show. And then at the end, in that fourth quarter, they start to buckle down a little bit. This game was a show from the beginning to the end. I mean, you thought 200 points was going to be possible. They got close, the West. But you thought 200 points was going to definitely happen. What, like 60-some points in the first quarter or something? Anyway. But people talk about how can we fix it. You can't really fix it. I mean, the dunk contest two years ago with Levine and Aaron Gordon was special. This year, I mean, obviously, Big Dog, little Big Dog won it, roof, roof. And then, you know, Aaron Gordon didn't make it to that final round, which sucked. And then he had the uh, three-point contest, and Klay Thompson didn't make it to the final round, which kind of sucked. So the reality of the situation is this. All-star games are all-star games, and people said, how can we fix it? Let's try to fix this. Let's try to fix that. There's no fixing it. Just let it ride out. It's an all star game. Accept it for what it is. It's not meant to excite you. I mean, it's meant to entertain you at the end of the day, but it's not meant to do anything else. Don't expect competitive, you know, a competitive game. Don't expect it. Because if you were expecting that, you went home highly disappointed. So that's the reality of that situation. Let's go to Sixers real quick. Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons out for the year, a la Maryland's Noel, who didn't play his rookie season, a la Joel Embiid, who didn't play his rookie season. So trust the process, baby, because I do trust the process. But anyway, Ben Simmons, according to the Sixers, his foot's not healed enough. So being that his foot's not healed enough, obviously he cannot come back at this point. He won't be back until next season. But anyway, the Sixers made a deal. Many thought it would be Jaleel Okafor. And ended up being New Orleans Noel, and I think that's a byproduct of you know what, Sam Hinkie assets, 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 trust to process, tank, 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 tank. But eventually, in his situation, he got too many centers, and you know what what became an asset, New Orleans Joe, Jalil, and and uh, Joel and B, which became an asset became a liability because Uncle and no, no, Noel, you know you had to get one of got you know you had to get rid of one of those guys so which wasn't accident at some point became a liability and being that it was a liability that's why you get deals like Justin uh you know that's why you get deals where you trade guys where you get a bucket a conditional for a first round pick that's you know basically top 18 protected the Mavericks probably won't make the playoffs so that's going to turn into two second round picks that's what's supposed to happen if it doesn't uh you know turn to a first rounder and you get Justin Anderson as well. So that's why you have those type of moves. And, again, the Sixers, obviously, know Noel is going to get a lot of money. I think somebody's going to pay him a boatload of money. And I don't think it could, it, it could have been the Sixers because the reality is you already have your best player at this point in time happens to play the same position as New Orleans Noel. That's just the reality of the situation. So – those who watch BET on a regular, those who 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 like BET, we're going to bring in a guy now. Um, this man is a part of one of BET's hit shows, The Quad. All right, so we got this man about to join us. Actor Kevin Savage, living the savage life. He's going to join us now as he talks about you know the Quad and, and you know some of the great things going on with that particular show let's bring him in let's bring him in now one of the stars of BT's hit series the quad actor Kevin Savage Kevin how are you
3: I'm good man what's going on with you
1: doing well thanks for joining us uh, thanks for having me man now Kevin you're doing big things with the quad the show seems to have a little bit of a buzz right now can
3: you feel that, buzz? Yeah, man. You know, it, it's, uh, it's a great feeling, man. You know, um, Anika Nolte-Rose, president of the university, you know, she comes in and changes the school uh, around HBCU. And uh, it's just really interesting how everything came together, what they're, uh, what they're doing with the show, the direction that they're going. I'm, I'm extremely excited with what they're doing.
1: Is it kind yeah. of like
3: a, a modern day, different
1: world on some level?
3: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You know, Jasmine guy. You know, she she comes in. They brought her back to say, "I'm, um, you know, for a different world and what she did um, at that time and era." Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, but way, way, way more spicier. You know, it's just so much going on, man. You know, and um, I'm I'm excited because I know where the show was going, and I'm excited for the for the fans.
1: So we we look at the show, and it gives you a glimpse of HBCU life. I never went to an HBCU. After filming the quad, did you say to yourself, man, I missed out?
3: You know what? Um, it's funny because my my ex, she's my ex now, but, uh, you know, I was with her for seven years, man. She went to uh, Howard. And if, if you know anything about Howard and you know about their homecomings, you know, man, they, they throw the best homecoming. So my first time right. experiencing HBCU life was being um, on campus, you know, during homecoming of Howard. And um, and I, I, I've been saying that for a while. But, you know, the, the, the best part about it is you can always experience just a little bit when, whenever you go to, an, you know, uh, HBCU homecoming. And, you know, I'm still pretty young. So I'm, I'm thinking about actually, you know, applying back to school um, <laughs> and, and doing that. You know, I, I, I don't know about playing no football. I ain't even play the no football, but, you know. <laughs> so, what you got in mind, Howard, Hampton? Uh, definitely Howard, because that was my first experience, man. And, uh, you know, they're great university. I actually got accepted in the Temple, and, uh, and from HBCUs, I got accepted into Cheney and uh, Lincoln. Uh, but Howard is definitely by far, man. If I choose to go back, that will be the school that I'm doing, man. Howard all day. HU. Did you ever go to Temple? Uh, no, I got a scholarship to Temple. Here's the thing. I got a partial scholarship to go to Temple um, for English, all right? I had AP, AP English classes off from high school. Um, the thing was, I knew I didn't want to become a, a writer or um, an English teacher, uh, you know, so there's not much you can do with that type of degree. Uh, Other than those two, Uh, you know, so I said instead of just going to school, not knowing what I wanted to do because I heard of the horror stories of going to school, having to pay back those loans and then having to go back to school again because it's not really what you wanted to do. You know, I kind of chilled out and uh, fortunately I fell into acting and that, you know, I've been doing that ever since.
1: For sure. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you found what you need to do. So you didn't need to go to college. So, I mean, if you don't need to go to college. I, I wouldn't go either. But um, uh, fortunately for myself, I am a temple guy. So, you know, I, I did go to college. So not too many loans. I was poor, so
3: it wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm, a, you know, an advocate of college and higher education, man. So I would never sit up here and say, hey, you know, don't go to college. But, you know, college is uh, it's not for everyone. And, you know, it's cliche-ish. Is it may sound? It's true. truth. Um, when I do decide to, because I am actually going back to school. Um, that we, you know, we discussed, but, um, you know, it's just not for everyone. I know what I want to do now, now, you know, to put some, some books behind that and to hire my education, you know, I can go for theater, um, with a, you know, concentration in business. So I can do that now because I'm a lot more confident in knowing that this is what I want to do because this is what I've been doing. So it's always great to have some experience as well. So, you know, for sure. we're talking to
1: one of the stars of BT's hit series, The quad, actor, Kevin Savage. And Kevin, on the quad, you played a quarterback, the quarterback Terrence. Mm -hmm. Do you have real-life QB skills?
3: (laughs) I do now. (laughs) Funny story, when I auditioned for the quad, um, I think I played, you know, um, football, you know, street football, and, you know, uh, but never really, really – played like that you know whenever we would play in the streets i always played receiver so even when i played it was always receiver um but you know when i auditioned for the quad i auditioned for three different roles and actually didn't get any of the roles that i auditioned for they called me and said hey you booked but you booked the quarter you know quarterback role and so i said okay that's cool let's do it you know who doesn't want to play a quarterback on a tv show uh, so I thought they were going to go the direction of the game, which, you know, it's insinuated that they play, but they don't really play. Right. Up until I got the first catch to meet them on the field of Morehouse and suited up. And uh, we were actually running plays and actually playing. I was like, really? So when I got out there and threw the ball, they were like, okay, he's clearly not a quarterback. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty, pretty, you know, embarrassing. It was humbling at the same time. But, uh, you know, I got the chance to work on it in between the pilot and when we actually started shooting the series. So when I came back, man, my arm was a lot better, and uh, and, and we got it in. They still didn't put me in, you know, because they used, you know, stuck doubles, but, you know, I got to throw the ball around, and they said, okay, this dude is serious, and he's serious about his craft. So that was that's the story behind that. Okay. So you had, in order for you to,
1: well, not necessarily get the role, but you definitely had to improve your quote-unquote quarterback skills. You had to do that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about it was it wasn't do or die, you know, because they cast okay. me as the actor. Uh, now, Bo John, on the other hand, um, you know, <laughs> that which is the the white quarterback um, played by Jake, shout-out to Jake, um, he actually went through a, you know, pretty rigorous audition because he had okay. to audition, you know, as the quarterback uh, you know they they ran drills and stuff, and you know he, he auditioned about three or four times before they booked him, and he actually played some college ball too, so he has real experience as a quarterback. Okay. Um, but and so it was pretty cool just to be side by side with him, get some tips from him, even though on a show, you know, we are arch rivals. We're talking to one of the stars of BT hit series
1: The Quad, actor Kevin Savage. Now I heard. You were supposed to be in only three episodes, but three became mm-hmm. more. How'd that happen for you,
3: man? Uh, so you know, unbeknownst to me, I, you know, I just went on set to do my thing. Um, but it was funny because they gave me a scene. My my, the most uh, the craziest thing about it is, you know, most of my teams are with Sean Blakemore. Shout out to him; he's a Emmy winner, uh, award-winning actor. Um, you know, you may have seen them on General Hospital and different uh, different films and stuff, but um, you know, I went in uh, the first day, you know, that I had a scene with them, you know, uh, I went in and I did my thing, and actually the writers and the executive producer, shout out to Felicia Henderson, she called me and said, you know, Kevin, you killed it. You know, we didn't expect you to do as well as you did, especially, you know, we didn't really know much about you, because they didn't. I mean, there's some stuff on, you know, YouTube about me and, you know, some things, but, as far as actually booking a television series, this is my first series. So they took a chance on me. And I went in there. I, I did my thing. Uh, we had a very intense scene. And after that, the writers, just they were like, you were very interesting to watch. We got to build your character up. And that's what happened. So the moral of that story is, you know, you stay ready. You don't have to get ready. So let me ask you this. What, what was that feeling like when, when they told you, you know
1: what, Kevin, you're doing your thing? I mean, what, what's that feel like?
3: It's it's a surreal feeling, Um, you know, because just to know that you are only slated to do a few episodes and for them to expand your character and to write, you know, your character in as the most uh, notorious uh, character of the show, Um, and and that's who Terrence is, It, it just lets me know that I'm on top of my game. It lets me know that there's so much more for me and that anything is possible. You know, um, you just got to keep going. You know, the difference between those who make it and those who don't, perseverance, consistency, and a drive. And if you don't have that, it's not not that anybody, you know, I'm I'm better than anybody else who who didn't make it or who's not making it. It's just I didn't take no as an answer, you know, as as a no forever, but no as, you know, uh, not right now. And and that's how you got to see a no. You know so
1: so where are you at in terms of an actor I mean you know obviously you got this thing going on you got some few a few other projects going on as well well where is Kevin Savage as an actor
3: Kevin Savage the actor is working on other films as well uh, there's another film uh, in Philadelphia um, that with uh, Terrence Takim in which I am slated to be a film. Can't get too much information, but I'm just going to say Danny Glover. Um, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited about working with them. And uh, also uh, the wonderful, beautiful Angela Bassett. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be working. Um, I'm going to be working on that pretty soon. Uh, and also some web series. And, you know, taking trips out to L.A. Um, and there's also a, another show, Uh, Shout out to Irv Gotti. Uh, He's doing a show called Tales. So I'm slated to uh, work on that show as well. Um, And shout out to Leah Daniels, who is the casting director for that, the sister of uh, Lee Daniels. So that's why I am right now with that. But I also, I don't know, you know, uh, we didn't really talk too much about it, but I I also uh, as well, man, I love to model, love to be in front of that camera, man. Um, And so working with Click, Uh, which is an agency here in Atlanta. And um, they're actually sending my stuff out to L.A. and different places and internationally. So you're going to see a lot of me doing that. And also shout-out to Kicks USA, too. We're working on a deal right now with Nike um, and uh, Puma uh, via my homie Tommy Brown in Philly. So, you know, I've got a lot of stuff coming up, man. Just just stay tuned. So you're doing some big, big things. So you talked about the
1: modeling thing. So, I mean... Are, are you a bigger fan of the acting? You're a bigger fan of the modeling? I mean, what is it? Do you, which one you like better?
3: Um, you know, acting is, is my thing, man. Acting is okay. that's just because, you know, it's it's work, and it's not that modeling isn't work. Um, but acting, there's so many different, you know, um, areas of acting. There's so many different styles, so many different, you know, training techniques from you know Sandy Meisner's, and uh. Beneslavsky. I mean, there's so many, you know. So acting is my thing, man. Uh, you know, anybody that that who's an actor, you know that um, acting is is reacting realistically to imaginary circumstances. And when you can get to the point, because you never, you never become perfect at it. It's like a practice. You just get better and better. Um, you never just fully arrive, you know. And that's why you have people in the game, you know, like Will Smith and Denzel you know, who, who, who just continues to work on their craft because you just get better and better, and that's what I like about it. I'm, I'm, i You know, I'm just one. I'm very big with competition, man. I'm competitor, and I just want to get better and better and better, and uh, and that's why I love acting. But modeling, man, it's just so fun because you get in front of the camera, you get to, you know, become a little narcissistic, and, you know, you get to <laughs> do your thing, man. You get to show your swag, and, you know, and and I love it, man. So modeling is, is dope, and, uh, you know, I always got to keep that in my back pocket, man. So definitely... We're talking
1: to one of the stars of BET's hit series *The Quad*, actor Kevin Savage. You talked about Will Smith. You are West Philadelphia, born and raised. I mean, ha-
3: have you met Will? I have not met Will yet. I've, I've met um, Charlie Mack and the people around him, but not yet. You know, uh, but you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, my thing is, you know, I keep putting in work. People are starting to recognize who I am, and that's just a blessing, man. It's it's a blessing to really, really go after what you love to do, and after a while, you know, because I've been at it for about fifteen years, man. And uh, you know, it's statistically proven that it's harder to become a professional actor than a professional um, athlete, you know. So it's uh, it's just it's just a great feeling to know that through all my work, uh, it's. Finally, starting to pick up, and and the recognition is finally starting to come, man. So I look forward to meeting Will. I, I look forward to to meeting uh, Kevin Hart as well. He's doing his thing, comedian, actor, and all of them, and uh, Jamie Foxx as well, man. i actually I look up to him because of the fact that he's so gifted, multi-faceted. I mean, he can not just act, but you know, if you need him to do comedy, he'll do that. If you need him to get on the, to the piano, you know, he can kill it on the piano. And if you need him to sing, he can sing. And um, so yeah. So yeah, that's my favorite man but uh yeah just keeping it moving man are you singing you sing too just a little bit yeah <laughs> a little okay. something something man yeah. right. i uh <laughs> work you know i am working actually you know because i write i actually write so i got a single called lay you down that should be coming out pretty soon man i'm just trying to get it bro uh you know um <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the great thing about it is, you know, you, you never want to do too much, but if God is giving you the gifts, you know, you got to use them all. And, you know, still stay focused on what you're doing primarily, but there's it's nothing wrong with venturing out, man, and seeing where your other gifts and talents may take you, man. And that's that's what it's about. We're
1: talking to one of the stars of BET's hit series, the quad actor, Kevin Savage. So you're a Philadelphia guy. You play a quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles... They have a quarterback in Carson Wentz. Looks like he's going to be a franchise guy. You happy with the direction of Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles at this point?
3: I am. I definitely am. I mean, you know, Philly has grown, you know, with the quarterbacks that we've had, you know, from Vic to McNabb all the way back to Cunningham. Um, You know, I'm a Randall Cunningham fan. Uh, But, you know, I, I like the direction. I like the direction. Uh, hopefully, we get this back. You know, Herdy's um, interested in coming back. Man, I think That's we nice. could do better with the receivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I, I, I pray that we do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, man. I, I just want to see what, you know, it's, it's all about growth, man, and, and recruiting young, good players, man. It's going to take us not just to the chip, but beyond the chip, man. We 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 need ring, man. You know, I'm in Atlanta, you know, and so it was just <laughs> hard see us lose out in Philly actually when we lost. Sport was going to win. Come on, man. Like, it was just crazy. But you can't never, you know, count Brady out, man. And and, and he he's shown that he is definitely, you know, a franchise player time and time again. And that was just a historical point to even witness, man. So, you know, straight out to Atlanta. And everybody always asks me, you know, Chad, you're in Atlanta, but do you still rep Philly all day?
1: As you should. So, being around those Atlanta Falcons fans down there, I mean, were they sick? I mean, you, you just gotta be sick the way they lost that game. I mean, I know Tom Brady's Tom Brady. I know Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. But man, all you had to do is run the ball two times, you know, kick the field goal, and you got a Super Bowl. I mean those those fans down there gotta be sick.
3: I don't sick sick isn't even close. I mean, I was sick, bro. (laughs) I mean, you know. But I think the defense just got tired. I think the defense got tired, and you know how Brady is, man. Um, I I really don't. A lot of people say that. You know, all they had to do is just run the ball. You know, but you you just you can't continue to run the ball and keep the field goal if if they're not giving you that. And you know, you you first of all. You can't play scared. And I think they just took their foot off the pedal. Um, You just got to go after and continue to attack. You never count Brady out. Everybody knows that. So I I fought them for that, man. But at the same time, they played a hell of a game. Um, You know, it's just one of those things, bro. I mean, it's sad that you know, Atlanta had to get done with history, you know, on them, because that was history. No, I think no team has ever come back from a, a, at least, what, a 14-point deficit uh, in a championship game? You know, it's either 14 or 21. But, you know, it happened. That was the largest comeback <laughs> in Super Bowl history.
1: Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely crazy. So, end of the day, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, you think playoffs – are a possibility if if Carson Wentz continues to grow and, you know, to make some moves here and there, you know, strengthen that wide receiver position, you know, maybe add some things on the defense, a corner, that would help. So at the end of the day, if they do all those things, do you think the Philadelphia Eagles can make the playoffs next year?
3: Of course. I mean, you got to think about it, man. You know, even back when when, you know with. Andy Reid, I mean, come on. Like, we, we made the playoffs. There was no no issue of making the playoffs, man. It was just, you know, continuing to go and, and really, really do something with the opportunities that's presented, man. But I think if we strengthen our corner, if we strengthen, you know, our receiver game, if we keep going, you know, I mean, we're still a pretty young team, you know what I mean? So we can do it. You know, Carson's not old at all. Um, he, he has great leadership abilities, man. I think – I know we can do it. I know we huh? can do. It. We just got to stop being scared to spend money, man, and do what we need to do. And that's all. I mean, you know, if you really think about that it, that's the issue that Philly has had. Um, really, you know, spend that money, man, and stop getting players that you know. And I look at even the Sixers. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think the Sixers are you know doing pretty well. I mean, they're still a, a really young team. They got a little run going and everything. Um, but if you notice, man, we would always get players who you know. Was was good back in their their prime. and then you know we, we we get them, and it's like they're okay. But you know, we, then we got to still put something together to try to try to where we need to be, man. Go ahead and get some young players, man. That can play, you know, that are great. Spend that money, man. You spend that money, you make money. So, sure,
1: for sure. Scared money don't make money. So, exactly. we'll see what happens moving forward. So, the quad. We're into the season now. You know, we've seen some crazy things thus far, some interesting, exciting, fun things thus far. What's next? What should we, we expect as the season goes uh,
3: on? The season, it's just, I'm going to tell you, it's just, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. Tonight is a big night for my character, Terrence Bell. Uh, I don't know if you got to see uh, the previews, but uh, there's a party going on. And it's just, you know, you know, I love my last name, man. I love my last name because, uh, you know, I didn't know that that it was going to become my birthright when I was growing up, you know, people would tease me and say, savage, this, savage, that, oh, you, you you eat people and you know, you, you don't care. You're ruthless. So I, I used to hate my last name, but now I love it. And no, I didn't change my last name. It's always been my last name. So many people ask me that, but, um, You know, Savage Life, man, it's my brand, inspiration and motivation through lifestyle, fitness, and entertainment. Regardless of how old you are, what we agree, you got to dream go get it. And so, um, you know, with this episode coming up and and, and future episodes, you see that beast come out of me, man. You see the Savage Life brand just come out of me, and and it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, I usually play the good guy, the leading unit. So this is definitely something different for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, tune in, man. It's just going to get crazier and crazier.
1: So fans, make sure you
3: tune in each and every
1: Wednesday, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central on BT. It's the quad. Also, hit this man up on Instagram, The Savage Life Brand. On Instagram, The Savage Life Brand. And support all the great things going on with actor yeah, Kevin Savage. Kevin absolute pleasure talking to you man wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward can't wait to see what's going to happen moving forward with you you got some music you got some new roles coming up looks like 2017 is going to be a great year for kevin
3: savage oh my gosh man I, I'm, I'm so excited look look out for me house of cards i have an episode coming up with kevin spacey on that uh oh man, it's just a lot of great things man look man thanks for having me on your show uh, definitely anytime man love to call back in and give you some for progress sure. love what I've been doing and everything man and keep doing your thing
1: for sure thank you appreciate it man likewise and just lay it down
3: gotta lay it down <laughs> for the ladies baby <laughs> take, care. take it easy bye bye
1: Kevin Savage pleasure talking to him
0: <clears throat>
1: I want to thank Kevin Savage for stopping by also, I want to thank Marlon Gill and also Nate Abner. You can listen to this show and other great shows. Blog, talkradio.com, slash PGant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com, slash Also, hit us up on our new website, dot Goforgantsports.com, Go where we're talking sports and having fun doing it. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.